The Accidental Entrepreneur is brought to you with the help of our sponsor, AWeber, the world's leading small business email marketing and automation service provider. Since 1998, AWeber has helped more than 1 million small businesses and entrepreneurs through its suite of web-based email marketing, automation tools, and education. AWeber, the best option when it comes to marketing your business. The podcast is also brought to you by The Alternative Board. Since 1989, The Alternative Board, or TAB, has been one of the leading peer advisory and business coaching organizations for independent business owners and CEOs across the world. By facilitating peer advisory boards, private one-on-one coaching, and strategic planning services, TAB helps business owners improve their businesses in ways that change their lives. And be sure to connect with our affiliate sponsor, GSM Growth Agency. They're boosting e-commerce businesses to six and seven figures in revenue and cover everything from ads and social media influencers to making your website better. GSM Growth Agency focuses on taking businesses from startup success to bigger success, going above and beyond to make sure growth sticks around. They're all about cool ideas, lasting partnerships, and making your mark in the e-commerce world. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. Well, it all started my last year of college. So my senior year of college, that's a rough year. Yeah. You're like, figuring it's your life rough. Okay. And you're like, oh my God, I got to go out in the real world and like pay bills. It, Adulting, they call it's it. It's scary. I hate the word adulting, but it, it is, it's daunting. Uh, that year of my life, seven people died oh, in my life. Kidding. So, and they were not all, okay, there's like heart attack, right, cancer, people, that happens. Right? That's life. Yeah. Uh, my roommate's boyfriend dropped dead at 25. They still never found out what happened. One of my mom's sisters walked out of work and in the parking lot was hit by a car. Jesus. My dad's sister and her husband died in a plane crash. Um, it was a year. year one year. Oh my God. So it was a year of tragedy. And I had this really, I was very aware of all like the hard things in life entering the working world. I thought this is terrible. I need to, there must be so much purpose that you get from your job. I was really focused. Right. Like a lot of, some people think about like finding the one quotes. I was thinking about the one is in my career, the thing, the job that makes it all. And what was it. the job? So I went, I went the nonprofit route okay. first. I spent a year with the American Red Cross in Seattle. Yeah. That's very disillusioning. I think. <laughs> and then uh, I learned that a lot of people were doing very important things, but a lot of people were unhappy. And if you ask people why, it was all money. So I thought money makes life better. So then I found a job in the corporate world. I was in, moved to Chicago then, and I spent a year in corporate. And I felt what we all feel, that you kind of look around and you feel like a lot of people are waiting all day for 5 p.m., all week yeah, for the weekend, all year for vacation. Yeah. And I was talking to the secretary in the, my job in Chicago once, and uh, she said, how sad is it that we are wishing away our lives? Yeah. Okay. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm very excited to talk to Kayla in a few minutes. she got a book coming out called How to Be a Digital Nomad. I didn't even know what a digital nomad was until I met her. So if you're listening on your favorite directory, please be sure to leave us, leave us a five-star review whenever you can. If you're watching us on YouTube, like us, subscribe to the channel so we can keep bringing great guests like we have with Kayla today. So let's get on with today's show. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. 
The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. Hi, I'm Kayla Eurig, the author of How to Be a Digital Nomad, Build a Successful Career While Traveling the World. All right, Kayla. So thanks for joining me. I think, um, well, today's going to be an interesting conversation. You got a book coming out on January 30th, How to Be a Digital Nomad. We're going to talk about that in the second half. We'll spend the first step talking about you and your background. But I think, you know, more and more I'm getting guests on the show who are, they're not necessarily wandering around the world like you are. We're going to talk about that. So, but they're working remotely. You know, they decided they want to live in Costa Rica and they can run their company from there. And they have people all over the world that were working with them. Um, I have a cousin who's in a program where she can just work as long as she has a remote job, right? She just goes to the next place they go. She's been in Turkey. She's been in Africa. She's been in South America. She's home right now. Then she'll go out to, I don't know, New Zealand, Australia. She's been all over the place. And there's more and more of these, programs and, and opportunities. I even met, and I'm talking too much. I should bring you on in a second. You can talk your, your mic's on. I even met two guys. I don't think they've been on the show yet who are working on a real estate company where you can like rent an apartment, but like in a consortium, you know what I mean? So you can stay in tech. I think it's only the United States right now, but you can stay in Texas for a month and then you can work in Nashville for another month and, and you're on the same lease. So I think you're seeing more of that, but why don't you introduce yourself Kayla, great to have you on the show. Let's talk about you and your background and stuff. Thanks so much for having me, Mitch. Yeah, I I am in Croatia at the moment, originally from Pennsylvania in the U.S., okay. and I went abroad in 2017. I left the corporate world and was uh, I heard about these weird people called digital nomads. I saw people on Instagram doing something that I thought looked so uh, it just it really called to me, right. and I thought, oh, if they're doing that, I could probably do it too, I guess. Why not? Now, you know, how hard can it be if you can find work online, then you can go wherever you want to go with that. As we all saw in 2020, it's actually not as uh, difficult as a lot of people perceive that to be. Right. Well, yeah, but not traveling. We're going to get into this. Like people are thinking like, well, how do I pay my bills? What do, what do I do? For, you know, how do I stay connected to the world? You always like have a home base where you go and you go back and you check your man and do. So we're going to talk about that because you don't really have a home base. You kind of don't. Right. No, I don't have an apartment. I haven't had an apartment in eight months. I live out of Airbnb or stay with family for periods as well. I visit family for like, I go home to like Pennsylvania one for like a month out of the year and spend time with family there. But, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm the extreme end though. I would say I'm on the extreme end. I don't have stuff. I have two backpacks that I carry with me and, of you there also there's a whole spectrum there's people i mean if you have enough money you can leave your whole house the way it is and come back to of it course. whenever you want you your plants will die right. that, that's pretty much no, it you it's, get somebody it's pretty... come in and water your plants and check your mail and you do that too go. right but you know but at our stage of the game and your stage of the game 
it's a little bit harder to do that, right? I mean, you can't really, you know, when you got a mortgage, you make your mortgage. I mean, I guess. So, and you're married, right? Well, so yeah. I'm married. Yeah. yeah. I do this with my husband. Right. So it's not like you're single wandering the world. You can do this with a cooperative spouse, I guess. Right. You need to have a cooperative yeah. spouse. And, uh, yes. yes, you shouldn't talk somebody into this <laughs> if it's not for them. Right. If uh, a vacation is a big deal that, and then, yeah, I mean, I, I've actually gotten this question quite a bit recently. Yeah. Well, my, my partner doesn't even want to take a vacation, but I want to do this. And I feel like, Oh, do not talk them. <laughs> do not try to yeah, shove them into this lifestyle. Right? It's not good. Yeah. Cause you're kind of putting your egg, all your eggs in the same basket whenever Back you back. are spending all of your time with someone. Yeah. And especially if you run your business together as we do, we're also, we run our business we together. So you have like your, your marriage, yeah. your day-to-day life, your business, it's all, and also you don't have other things around you. It's not like, oh, I need a break. I'm going to go blow off steam with my friends at the bar. We always go to because you don't have those comfort creature, you know, those comforts of home. And, uh, but people do it with kids. People do yeah. it alone. I started doing this alone. I was solo. And then uh, I also, there are people who do it with kids. You mentioned the, the real estate thing about having one lease in different locations. They even have schools that are identical really? in different parts of the world where you can go and uproot. That way your kids are always in the same environment. They, so you, they are doing cyber school and they're always going to the same looking classroom. It's set up exactly the same. I actually don't remember the name of the program, but there's a lot of people mean, so who've been they, doing this for a while. There's a place for the kids to go, but it's part of the same network yeah. of schools. Exactly. It's a. It's like, like a studio. co-working for kids. It's like a co-working space, really? but it's a school. Yeah, it looks like a school, and then the kids go there, and they can go and have you know, and you go to a different country, and now they're going into the same classroom. Though it's decorated the same, there's that routine for them. Right. And a lot of people with kids slow down as well, and they'll do like two years in a place, right. and then two years again, yeah. and two years. And there's a lot of people doing that, and they're not nomadic air quotes because a lot of those people work for schools i've met a lot of people with families who do this where they are teachers and they work internationally there's a lot of money if you're a native english speaker especially in with the u.s or canadian passport there's a lot of money really to be had teaching teaching english abroad some places really like the uh, quote american accents um i mean i'm not sure where you're from new york (laughs) your face said it all new york new jersey yeah yeah your face said it all um (laughs) no but there's a certain i don't know i don't know but as if you're a native english speaker you can find work abroad it pays very well it's very so you're not virtually like you're going there yeah you're gonna go uh you're gonna go get a job teaching english in china and you're gonna live there you're gonna be paid very well and your qualification is a bachelor's degree and being a native english speaker you know do you have to know you have to speak chinese no, no, and, no, no, and you immersion. put your kids in international school or whatever. Yeah, yeah, international schools are very; they're everywhere, wow. and they are often very well funded. Yeah, wow, I, yeah, they're super world, nice not, schools. You know, I just went the traditional route. I met my wife. We didn't meet till we were close to thirty, but now we got three kids. The youngest is eighteen, so and we got a lot of stuff. Like I, we're going to get into that, um, but like my son came back from Indianapolis. He has a remote job too. He's in tech. So he could really work, live anywhere and whatever. So he came home for a while to figure things out and we had to rent a storage facility. I mean, he's got his stuff and our stuff and, you know, we got things in bins and all kinds of, like, I wouldn't even know, I guess we'd put it in storage and pay the fee and leave it there and then come back at some point. It's just, it just seems very daunting. But before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about like, you know, what did you do? I mean, you're young, so I don't know how long your career was in corporate, but 
What did you do <laughs> then? A year. It was a year. That's all it took. Yeah. I'm 30 yeah. now, but I was 24 whenever so I left. Yeah, so I spent one year working. Make it a year, and you're like, I can't even deal with this. I want to have a, like a life that I control. So, what was the like? I want to know about like your thought pattern because you, you know you didn't grow up in some crazy place. You're just kind of near here. You're in Pen- you're Pennsylvania, yeah. right? So, like, what Summer, happened where you're like, I got to get out of here. Well, it all started my last year of college. Okay. So my senior year of college, that's a rough year. Yeah. You're like, you're figuring it's your life rough. Out. Okay. And you're like, oh my God, I got to go out in the real world and like pay bills. It, adulting. They call it's it. scary. I hate the word <laughs> adulting, but it, it is, it's daunting. Uh, that year of my life, seven people died oh, in my life. Kidding. So, and they were not all, okay, there's like heart attack, right, cancer, people, that happens. Right? That's life. Yeah. Uh, my roommate's boyfriend dropped dead at 25. Oh they still never found out what happened. One of my mom's sisters walked out of work in, in the parking lot, was hit by a car. Jesus. My dad's sister and her husband died in a plane crash. Um, it was a year? year. One year. Oh, my God. So it was a year of tragedy and I had this really, I was very aware of all like the hard things in life entering the working world. I thought this is terrible. I need to, there must be so much purpose that you get from your job. I was really focused. Like a lot of, some people think about like finding the one quotes. I was thinking about the one is in my career, the thing, the job that makes it all. And what was the job? So I went, I went the nonprofit route first. I spent a year with the American Red Cross in Seattle. Yeah. That's very disillusioning. I think. (laughs) And then uh, I learned that a lot of people were doing very important things, but a lot of people were unhappy. And if you ask people why, it was all money. So I thought money makes life better. So then I found a job in the corporate world. I was in, moved to Chicago then, and I spent a year in corporate. And I felt what we all feel, that you kind of look around and you feel like a lot of people are waiting all day for 5 p.m., all week yeah, for the weekend, all year for vacation. Yeah. And I was talking to the secretary in my job in Chicago once, and uh, she said, how sad is it that we are wishing away our lives? Yeah. And yeah. I thought, You're oh, like, I don't gosh, do how, I didn't, didn't I learn this from my Aunt Jane who could, counted down until her retirement yeah. for oh, 500 days? She was counting down, and then she got hit by a car one day leaving work and never got to reach that. Um, I was really scared. I mean, you were young. You just came out of school. So what was the job in Chicago? In Chicago, I was doing marketing. Okay. So I was doing like, it was mostly graphic design. Yeah, my my title was marketing coordinator and I was a coordin- communications coordinator for the Red Cross. Oh. So those skills translate easily yeah. to the digital right. world. So I thought, wow, there's no reason not to. And I kept talking to people about this. I'm like, don't you feel like life is supposed to be fun? Like more enjoyable than waiting like, no, you're for young. the next- You don't understand. Life is hard. That's the way life is supposed to be. Actually, I probably asked like 20 or 30 people. I was investigating and I was told life ought to be fun, but it's just just not. not. And you will get used to it. Don't worry. You are young. You're so green. I kept hearing that word green. I'm like, you're saying this. Like to me, everyone's like, quote, comforting me with this worst case scenario. And you won't know what's going on in life either. And you'll wander around like a zombie and you won't be satisfied, but you won't know any better. So it's fine. You'll get used to it. No. Uh, and if you love your job, it's so worth it for, for you. A lot of people yeah. don't. Somebody asked me at that job that it was an architecture firm and they said, what do you love most about architecture? And it was the end of a long day. And I was more honest than I probably should have been because I was only at that job for like two months. And I said, I don't even like architecture. Architecture is tough. It's a very difficult field. 
And it's so technical. Yeah. Anyway, ugh, it, it was just not for me. I, I mean, I liked the task. I did graphic design all day. I was happy as could be. I like sat there listening to musicals on in my headphones, just having a good time. And I could have stayed there for a long time, but I was afraid of what I, of becoming what I saw too often. It wasn't just like those colleagues or you know, like my, you know, it was just you look around, you see it everywhere. Right. Oh, everywhere. That, yeah. But do you think? It's, do you think that the that the tragedies and the things you faced in such a short period of time at such a young age? really kind of like opened your eyes up to something that might've taken you 10 years to like really look hundred percent. Yeah. I know I'm, I, I, my life is better for having experience. I could have experienced seven deaths in seven years. And I know my life is better because I experienced them all in one year and at a very pivotal point where every day I'm thinking, gosh, a year from now, I'm going to be working. Where am I going to be? What am I going to be doing? Who am I going to become? I'm, I don't know. It it was terrible, but it impacted me in a, 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 a in the long term. It was a very positive yeah. thing. Yeah, but you were but you were kind of in a position where you could make the change. Like you didn't have, you know, you weren't married with kids and all kinds of things. Where you're rooted in a community where it, I'm not saying you can't do it. People do it. It's just difficult. Yeah. It becomes more difficult. Like, look, I'm 57 years old. I like being an attorney, but I've built my practice around the way I want to practice. I don't want to be working in big corporate and do all this kind of stuff. So I have a virtual practice, whatever. But I don't think I could do that. Like, I can't practice law remotely. Um, if I was like a patent attorney, I could those practice, but I, I can't, I have to, I have a bar admission in New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania. I could practice here. It's really yeah. hard for me to be in Croatia and handling people's legal issues remotely while they're in New Jersey and they wouldn't even hire me. So I'd have to, I don't know, maybe teach English as a second language. I don't know. I'd have to do something seriously change what I'm doing. Yeah. You might have to pivot. And the thing is though, you're not unhappy enough and not that you have to be unhappy enough. You can also just say, this is good, but I am interested in this other thing. You don't have to be miserable or have like a near death experience to justify a grandiose change. But, um, you could pivot if you had to, and if you wanted to, you know, that was calling to you. You could also batch your work, work for half the year. I'm not sure how your specific business model works, but you could work half the year or take half off, work a month on and on a month, off a month. You could, well, no, okay. If you have to be in the state. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. You can't really, right. It's difficult for me. Kind of trapped a little bit. The law is weird that way. So, and I don't know if I would want to change it. I don't know what the hell I would do. (laughs) I I, I really don't know what I would do. I, I really don't. You could teach teach English to little kids yeah, in exactly. another country. Oh, yeah, that, that I have a lot of patience for. Yeah, I've actually met several people recently who were in their late fifties and they moved to Mexico to teach English because they were just done. They both. I, I met two couples recently, and they. Well, whenever I was in Mexico, I met these two American couples, and they were both. Yeah, kind of like in that, like almost like pre-retirement phase, and they said, "I just can't count down ten years until I retire." I can't do it. And they uh, had that same kind of, well, we, our careers can't move, but we are done. So they went and went to Mexico and found teaching work and have been there for years. Both of these couples have been there for years. But they're not like English majors. They don't have a degree in English. No. No, but if you're a native speaker and you have a bachelor's degree, those are the big qualifications. That's it. Even without a bachelor's degree, you can get something called a TEFL, teaching English as a second language. That's a certification. Um, it's not very expensive to get. And That's all I want. then you can even, yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So take me along the path. So you're here, you are. You're like, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to do, but you probably didn't know. Like, you didn't have a book to read called How to Be a Digital Nomad. Right? <laughs> no. It's a different world. Podcasts, Podcasts were a big part of it, right. honestly. 
And I was talking to people online. I would join these Facebook groups for women who travel. And I didn't have international travel experience. I felt found it all really intimidating and quite terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> so I was posting, you know, hey, I really want to travel. I'm 23, 24. I'm desperate to do this, but I'm so scared. And I just kept hearing the exact same words over and over again. Nobody regrets traveling. Go figure it out. If you don't know what you're doing, figure it out whenever you get there. And I was almost annoyed by this advice because I'm someone That's who likes a guidebook. Like the, the book that I like, I would have loved to have read a step by step. Here's ten chapters on how to do right. this. I would have eaten that up at the time. But you know, we do things all the time that we don't know how to do. Yeah. We, if anyone goes to university, went to college, you are already a bigger adrenaline junkie right. than a digital. Like you have enough, you have it in you. You had no guarantees. You went all in on something expensive and risky because you have no idea if you're going to make money or find a job or what the world's going to be like, or if your job's going to be replaced by AI in a year. Right. And if you became a parent, you have done harder things with less information. Oh, for sure. It's true. You're just, it's baptism by yeah, fire and travels the same way. They push you out of the hospital in 48 hours and good luck. <laughs> you know, nothing. And you're not qualified. No one's qualified to be a no parent. Way. You don't, but you, it's going to happen one way or another. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's a good thing though. It's a blessing. Cause if you had to sit there and teeter on the edge of these big decisions of every Nobody big decision in life. No, no, no way. So you guys don't have kids yet, mm -hmm. right? You're not at this point. No. So you're going to like give birth in like, you know, Budapest and then you're going to like <laughs> raise the kid in some other country. Actually, probably be a, he'll be he or she would be a very worldly individual. Well, there's a lot of people doing this, raising sure. their kids around the world. And there's a lot of different philosophies and we talk about it. We're not sure. We're kind of either way. I was a nanny, so I, I know what it's like to be around kids all day. And a I also know that road, I can't like do in another country. In the oh, U.S. Lord. and abroad, yeah. Okay. So um, that was not a very glamorous chapter, having to be a nanny again <laughs> at like 27, because yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, 26. Well, well, that, okay, so let's get into that. So people are thinking, I mean, this is an entrepreneur's podcast, right? So you have to make a living. There are some yeah. careers that lend themselves to be able to do this, but not a lot. There'll be more, I think, over time. But you're like yeah, yeah. you said, like if you're in digital marketing or things like that, you probably could just pick up and plug in from wherever you are, but you did not have that. Right. So how did you make a living on the road? Like what? I started freelance writing. I found a regular freelance writing gig. It was Monday to Friday. Okay. And I also, I thought if I, I just did the math, you know, you think about how much money your life costs. And I, I went to Mexico first. So I did the, I crunched those numbers. How much does life in Mexico cost uh, for a week? And how much money is coming in every week? And how much do I want to save? And I just thought, well, I need to decrease outgoing money as much as possible to balance the slow incoming money. And I did something called a work exchange in the beginning where you volunteer your time and you get something in exchange instead of money. So if you paid money, I was allowed to stay in a hostel for free. So I did that at first in Mexico and I saved yeah quite a bit of money. And a lot of people do that. You can do house sitting. That's the most popular form of... Uh, of work exchange, trusted house sitters. You can stay in people's homes for free. These are nice homes too. Very like, nice. Like way nicer of, than of like you can get, yeah. you can sign up and get you, certified or whatever. Or background. Yeah. You just, 
you sign up and you apply to different listings and people say, oh, I'm going away. I need someone to watch my cat for a month, you know, while I'm gone. And there are a lot of people who have two, like people in the upper class who have multiple homes. A lot of people leave their pets in one of those homes and have people watch them. Sometimes for six months out of the year, they have somebody stay. Yeah. So these are really nice homes often and you stay for free, but you're almost always taking care of pets. Okay. But that's housing. So you got to eat too. That's housing. Yep. So you need your, but entrepreneurs will have their income coming in. And if you have savings and also if you go to cheaper countries where let's say you're making us dollar, but then you're going somewhere where the currency is not, you know, it's like Mexico can geo arbitrate like Mexico. Mexico has actually become a lot more expensive. Vietnam's the cheapest place in the world. Cost of living. Yeah. It's also one of the nicest. Yeah. It's Vietnam's a whole, if you want to fall down a rabbit hole, Thailand, that whole area. Yeah, Southeast Asia yeah. in particular. I mean, it's a favorite for a reason. They say Bangkok is the digital nomad capital of the world. Yeah, I haven't been there yet, so I'm not sure. But that's you're writing the book. How could you not have been there? I did feel that yeah. way a little bit. <laughs> I don't tell, tell you where to go. I help you figure out where you want to go. <laughs> so. Okay, but you're not a journalism major, right? You're freelance writing. I actually did study oh, journalism. Did. That's my university oh, degree. Oh, okay, good. Well, that helps because people are thinking, oh, I could write a book, but it's not that hard, that easy. <sighs> I don't know. If you have a good editor, that helps, but you need to like it. So I, I right now, I mean, I write what I do most days. I mean, I pump out tens of thousands of so words for clients. Websites and, and things like Yeah. I write for HubSpot and GoDaddy. I do ghostwriting for clients. I write for my own website. So writing a book, um, I was used. I had that muscle built. Right. I was used to writing a lot. It was hard. It needed a lot of work. I had to. It was not easy. It took a lot of thinking. But normally, I sit down. I just like can crunch out two thousand words pretty easily. And the book was different than that because I had to sit and think for a really long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot more planning. Right, but the, but that's your business now. It's it's uh, you do freelance yeah, writing. writing. Yeah. You're a freelance writer. You yeah. work for clients you have yeah so how do you find these gigs are they posted no never it's usually referrals okay and networking like through linkedin um i am pretty active on linkedin that's how i got my book deal okay. i'm a big linkedin yeah i fan. want people to know that and you're not writing a book and then selling the book you got a book deal like the they offered you me to write deal. this book yeah they pitched to me yeah, like to a, write the book like a huge advance right i mean that's what they do on tv no, that did not happen. <laughs> my contract prohibits me from become, being specific, right, but it was not a huge advance. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of a dream process. I mean, I got just like a DM on LinkedIn one day. And how many people get spammy DMs yeah, yeah, on a daily basis? I mean, everyone. Right. And I was like, no, I didn't even respond for like three weeks. I thought it was somebody trying to sell me something. And here was a publishing house who I should have read it more closely. I was in Portugal at the time and I was like, I got a glimpse of it and I was like, ah, somebody's selling right. something and I kind of forgot. Well, somebody it. had given so, your name to somebody and then they found my writing on LinkedIn because I was sharing little snippets of the lifestyle because it's a very over glamorized thing. Yeah. And it's so weird. Cause in 2017, whenever I started, people were like, what? It's so weird, bizarre, so risky. Isn't it dangerous there? I'm like, I didn't even tell you where I'm going and you assume I'm going to get murdered there. Yeah. Um, FYI, it's usually statistically safer right. than the I'm U.S. Sure. Um, you hear these stories, but they're it, very rare. Yes, yeah. very rare. And it's funny because the digital nomad lifestyle goes back to 1983. That's whenever the first digital nomad set sales. It was really we, hard to do in 1983. 
Yeah, no internet, no wife, no home internet. He used uh, the Radio Shack 1000 computer. It was the first like portable computer, and he used an acoustic coupler, which is something that you would like take a payphone, like the yeah, receiver, and, and then the little put- suction cups. Suction cups. Okay. Yeah. Do people know about that? Okay. This was new to we me. We used to, when I was okay. young, because you're a lot younger than me, uh, we used to have this thing called the deck writer. So you would call whatever company you want to connect with. You'd take the phone, which we don't even see have phones like this anymore, right? With little, the, the little speaker and the little, and you'd yeah. stick it in the back and then it would start communicating with the thing and it would just print out some stuff. So that's what he was using. Acoustic coupler. Yeah. The Radio Shack 1000. His name's Stephen K. Roberts. Okay. He was, he is, um, I interviewed him for my book. He was delightful to talk to. Yeah. He said that he was, yeah. yeah, he said that he was just, uh, he was trying to construct a life exclusively out of passions. And he rode his bike around the U S for 10 years, living out of a tent, solar panels, computer, yeah, even built the keyboard into the handlebars. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's amazing. He has a multi. I think he's, he has seven of his own books. He's a technology writer. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but you're not doing that, right? You're not connecting your keyboard to your bike, and you're gonna live in tents everywhere. Yeah. Have you lived in tents at some point? Did you ever live? In- I've uh, temporarily. Yeah. I went. We had Mariana and I had one disastrous hiking. Uh, two disastrous hiking experiences actually. Uh, one, we went out on the AT, the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. We're going to do a week in the first night. A bear ate all of our food. I was going to say that's where you could die. Like you could, you could yeah. get lost off the trail by miles and then just die in the woods. You know? Yeah. 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 I could have had more the bear. Yeah, I mean, I was sitting there in the tent hearing it. Really? Eating all my food. Yeah. And Marianne's like snoring peacefully. I was so bitter, but I didn't wake him up. I can hear it eating. And then we come out. There's like puff tar wrappers on the tree. We spent an hour cleaning up after this bear. So then we went to the road. Because, well, we couldn't keep going. We didn't have any food. Well, we did go for one more night. Some people gave us food. We camped again. And we thought, what are we doing? We have no food left. Okay. So we went to the road. We went to hitchhike a ride into town. And this guy, his name was Charlie in his RV, this retired man. And he picked us up. And he said, well, I'm going to a bluegrass festival in Galax. Do you guys want to come? And we were like, well, where the heck are we going anyway? Like, we don't even know. So we went with him to a bluegrass festival and spent a few days. Yeah, some of the most fun I've had in my I'm life. I'm sure. Yeah. Like, and actually, a hitchhiking is how it always yeah. ends. For us, camping always ends in hitchhiking back to civilization. We did the same thing in France. We went because there's also a pilgrimage trail. Ends, though, with hitchhiking? Yeah, no. I don't know. It's well, I guess we didn't hitchhike. It's where everybody used to hitchhike. Now, it's kind of, I don't know. <laughs> And we're tall too. We're kind of intimidating. I'm six feet tall. My husband's six four. We are not like small, but we're really nice. So yeah. you know, like people are always like, "Oh, you're such a nice girl." You know, I, I look very, and I am nice. It's true, but it's just funny because he picked us up and he Charlie. I mean, he was retired and he's driving and he's like, "I haven't picked up a hitchhiker in years. It's so dangerous these days." And and I, he said, "But what are the odds of you being murderers?" And I said, "What are the odds of us all being murderers?" You know. <laughs> Yeah, you know, wing wing, and he kind of looked over with this look. Like, okay, I shouldn't make jokes. We are no one here right. is a serial killer. Exactly. Well, I mean, you know, two very tall people. I mean, it, that would be like a good profession for you to be a murderer. If you're really small, I don't think you could really overpower anybody. Uh, and, and you think that uh, this is why I always say, like, we're not going to get robbed. Like, we're bigger, especially a lot of the countries we've been to. Like, right. we were actually someone. Someone in Colombia robbed Baryan with a screwdriver once, and he gave him like a doll, like a few coins. It wasn't violence, um, but this guy's like you know, like a four foot tall man. <laughs> like I, 
think you could get away. Yeah. Yeah. That's very funny. All right. So yes, yeah, so I, I like the whole like story about how you're doing this. Cause I think I, I just see this happening more and more, especially for younger people. Like I think they think that the companies need them more than they need the companies. Like, you know, just go out and get another job yeah. or, you know, build a, what, what I've, I, I've heard the term portfolio career where you just have right different oh, yeah. things and you just got side gigs and they become, regular things what 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 do you find is the hardest part about being on the road is it certain countries or you know traveling because i know the passport system everything's a little different than it used to be it's a little bit tighter than it was is it difficult to go to certain countries or i actually think it's easier than ever to travel but it's decision fatigue that's the hardest thing about being on the road like the first month you think it's so exciting you're like wow a new foreign grocery store different language you're like duolingo practicing your new language and it feels so exciting but after six months you are frustrated whenever you can't find that you buy the wrong butter like the number of things that you buy language yeah yeah different culture you get at home like we were i forget where we were we were in some country and the butter had sugar in it what and we're like making scrambled eggs and it's like like, oh you're like more than just sweet butter it had like it was literally it was sweetened like made for like drinks and sweet things not for like yeah interesting i don't know what it was no idea what you used it for right (laughs) disgusting i mean it's just that was actually Mexico. And I know if someone is listening who is Mexican, they would say, well, you don't put, but that butter smelled like sugar. And if you like tasted it, it was sweet. We bought the wrong thing clearly. Right. But, you know, it's just not funny after a while. You think, I just want to know what I'm getting or how many times you just are offered something or asked a question and you just say yes, because you don't understand and you want to be appeasing. And then you get the wrong food or you end up on the wrong bus. Or one time on a bus ride in Peru, a woman asked Barryon a question that he didn't understand. And he panicked. He said, yeah, sure. And she turned around and handed him a goat. A goat? <laughs> a goat. And then walked away. And he was just sitting there with Will it. you take my goat in some other language? He's like, Sure. <laughs> He was, and then sometimes even if you know, like he might very young speak Spanish, but there's also a lot of dialects. We were in Mexico and he was really struggling to understand people. He was really frustrated. Where is he from? He's like, what is happening? He's from the Netherlands. So he speaks Dutch natively, but oh, he also okay. speaks well, English and then Spanish. And he studied, you know, it's Europe, they, French and German and everything else. But, uh, and here a taxi driver said, uh, it's hard to get around here because people speak Quechua which is the local, or wait, was it Quechua? It was a, the local dialect still, like the old like the Aztec. And yeah. yeah. Or it was the, the Mayans. It was the wow. Mayans. But yeah, yeah. And then you feel like, oh, you just kind of feel like you can't get ahead because you can't. Because then and another month, you know, you go to another country right. with a new language and you buy the wrong yeah, butter like again. Like other languages? Because what do they call that? A poly something? People that, polyglot. Yeah, polyglot. People that speak multiple languages. I was just listening to a podcast about a woman. She speaks like nine languages and she wants to learn one every two years. But you're probably not in one location long enough, are you, to learn the language? Not really. That's not me. I don't like it. I get frustrated. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in Europe, every most people, it's the it's the norm to be multilingual. Right. Um, but no, I mean, I know like a lot of travel. I mean, I learned travelers Spanish. If you're in Latin America, you need traveler Spanish. You need to be able to order food and buy a bus ticket and ask where the bathroom is. And um, 
in Europe, it's a lot less of an issue because people everywhere are very comfortable. Sometimes, depending on how touristy the area is, they'll say like, bonjour, hello, you know, and then you pick which language you're going to speak. Right. And people will say, oh, no one speaks English in France. And I mean, I studied French for four years, so I try to speak French and they're like, please, no, 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 <laughs> don't. don't destroy please. our language. Let's- yeah. yeah, it's it's ugly. All right. Yeah. I mean, you know the basics. Please, thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, of course. I, Can I, where is this thing? It gets thing? easier as you go along, and I guess not. Um, all right, why don't, let's take a little commer- uh, commercial break. Hopefully, the commercials will play. If they won't, I'll put them in later. And then maybe we come back and talk more about the book and you know how to be a digital nomad and go through. Because I did, I'll be honest with you, I haven't read it yet, the whole thing. But That's I've fine. gone through. No, but, uh, you know, I'm supporting you. So, um, oh. yeah. So I want... <laughs> But, but it's a very much of a how-to book. You know, I mean, it really takes you through, like, you know, this, this, and this, and you know, things about crime and all kinds of stuff. So um, I'll pull out the, uh, the appendix. All right, so let's take a break, and then we'll come back. Here's a word from our sponsors. Looking to market and grow your business? Or perhaps you're just getting started and want to hit the ground running. AWeber is the best choice for online email marketing and automation of your business. From maintaining a subscriber list to drip campaigns and landing pages, AWeber gives you tools and integrations that make marketing easy and fun. As our partner and sponsor, we use all their tools to promote the podcast and market our law firm. AWeber, the best alternative for online marketing. For over 30 years, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has built a thriving community of forward-thinking CEOs and business owners who want to radically improve their companies. Through unique combinations of one-on-one business coaching, participation in monthly tab board meetings with other non-competing owners, a suite of strategic tools, and customized strategic planning workshops, tab membership can deliver greater strength to your business and a better work-life balance for you and your family. All packaged in a streamlined and affordable service that the people at tab invite you to try risk-free. Are you struggling with managing advertising due to a lack of time or expertise? Perhaps you're facing challenges in scaling ads for your store. Are you feeling lost when strategies have no success? GSM Growth Agency is your reliable partner in overcoming these business challenges. Feel the impact of collaborating with a team dedicated not only to short-term goals, but also to building long-term partnerships and achieving sustained success. Embark on an exciting journey to redefine the possibilities of e-commerce and create a legacy of unparalleled excellence. Take decisive action now. Follow their link in the show notes to receive a complimentary audit of your Shopify store conducted by a GSM expert. Propel your e-commerce game to new heights with GSM Growth Agency. Follow the link in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. All right. So let's talk about, though, about the book and, you know, how to do this. Take us through it. Oh, yeah. where to start? Um, start. Gosh, sorry. I'm like, what's chapter one about? Yeah, up. I, can, I had it up. <laughs> no. Actually, chapter one of the book is so you want to be a digital nomad. It's like, let's talk about it. Because a lot of people have this daydream of them on the beach. And I, I, I ask people to explore that daydream. Like, what do you see happening? Because a lot of people are not actually picturing the digital nomad lifestyle. They're just picturing living on vacation. Yeah. If you're not picturing work half the time, then you're not, this isn't, we're not having the same conversation. You're thinking about extensive travel, just vacation, 
not work because you're working half the time. You're going to work as much as you work now. Right. When you go on vacation, it's usually you're going, you want to unplug and whatever. And you go two weeks out and you're like, oh, my God, I got to get back to work. Like, this is ridiculous. But you're not going with that in mind. So. No, you're just looking for contrast more than anything. I think that's what people are like. I think that's kind of the thing that people, most people need to satisfy is contrast. I feel like I'm doing the same thing. Well, then you need to have a, you know, a very stimulating experience that takes you away from the the norm. And that's where I invite people. If you want to talk about where to go, think about contrast. If you're living in New York city, don't go to London, go to, go go to Bali, go, I mean, go anywhere else. Avoid, you know, think about contrast in what surrounding area looks like. Like, is it urban, rural, uh, climates also like level of stimulation if you're feeling really bored uh i encourage people to go to some go somewhere where you don't speak the language you know take a language class feel challenged engaged with where you are if you're feeling like life's tiring and you need a break then go somewhere easy go somewhere where you speak the language where things are easier to get around there's like tourist and transit infrastructure that it's the contrast is what most people are looking for. well how do you get that information if you're like starting to do that research you just go online and start reading blogs and joining Facebook groups? Yeah, I would say look at the high, uh, look at where you're, a lot of people have like a continent or region that they're very interested in. A lot of people have this dream of traveling Europe. Well, so look at Europe, you know, what are you looking for? Are you looking for somewhere warm and like nature, you know, steeped in nature? Well then start Googling for those things in Europe, you know, region, or if you're totally open to anywhere in the world, then I would start looking at like digital nomad places in Asia, Europe, Africa, and then look at the highlights and see what calls to you most. Interesting. We'll set up a Pinterest board for each of the locations you want to go to. Start oh, yeah. Yeah. Save it all. Yeah, exactly. All right. So let's, we were talking before if, you know, if, if I'm not a digital marketing person, right? I don't know marketing. I'm not really a writer. What other things I, I really don't want to, I have no patience to sit with children and teach them English. I'm probably not even good at English myself. What other <laughs> options are there to, you know, make money on the road? We're not talking getting rich. We're just talking paying our bills and eating and things like that. Honestly, there's a, a lot of weird jobs. I mean, I don't need to tell anyone who's an entrepreneur that you can make money any weird well, number of ways. Well, I guess you could do e-commerce, right? You could sell things online and whatever. But, oh, yeah. Yeah. You could be a virtual friend. Uh, I'm not saying that works. It's where you like are paid to talk to people online. Yeah. There are people who are paid to be virtual friends. Yeah. Uh, I love using the example of Jen Glance. She's not, she doesn't fit the digital nomad. It's not a remote business, but she is the bridesmaid for hire. She saw that some people had issues whenever bridesmaids dropped out or whatever, something happened. So she was is a bridesmaid for hire. She will like put on a wig and come tell a fake story about how your friends <laughs> from summer camp whenever you were kids. Right. And she, she's been all over. She has a book. It's a fascinating business model. You can, you can sell anything. That's a good enough idea. Yeah, I guess if you're passionate enough, I think that's one of the problems that people are just not passionate. You know, they're just like wandering through life and doing what they're doing and that's fine. And then this whole thing is very intimidating to them. It is intimidating. It's a lot of questions and you don't have the answers. It's like, well, do you want us, you know, go, go to, you know, the town A, city A or city B. And you think, I don't know, I've never heard of either one of them. How am I supposed to decide right. which one I want to go to? And you'll never have all the information ever. Like once you go abroad and you can do this domestically, you can do this in the U S right. 
Um, we can talk about that, how to get started if you want to stay a little more local. But yeah, you'll never have all the information once you're abroad either. We just did this. We went to the grocery store and here it was closed because it's a national holiday in Croatia that we didn't know about. You think, well, that's nice. We have like no food. What, today? <laughs> it was a few days ago. There was a national holiday and we had no idea. Christmas. That, I mean, no, it was just something else. It was like, <laughs> it was something else and you get burned all the time by this abroad we had it too once we got in the in a cab to go to the airport in peru in lima and the cab got on the highway and just stopped and put in a park and we're like what's what? happening and he turned around and he said el papa francisco pope francis was in town that day like the one day in like 50 years yeah. that Pope Francis comes to the to, to Lima and the whole thing, they shut the city. I mean, they, they barricaded off the highway for his like, you know, bubble car to drive through. And we just sat there and you think everybody knew about this. Everyone, there's been like flyers. And then we're like playing the reels back of the memory. And it's like, yeah, there were flyers. But like it was on the news. People, no. no, you never have all the info and it's going to be expensive sometimes, the mistakes that you make. Right. <laughs> and you have to be okay with that. I think entrepreneurs can learn to be okay with that because entrepreneurs have already figured something out that's hard. And even if it wasn't perfect, you got through and you did it. And I think that it's a copy paste, that same attitude to travel. Right. I mean, you get better at it, obviously, as you go. Now, what about like air traveling and stuff? Is it because uh, I find that every time we're going on a trip, the most expensive, especially now with Airbnb, like when my daughter's going to Florence for the semester, we're going to see her at the end of March. The most expensive thing was air travel. And I was like, tell my wife, we're not spending $2,500 a person. There's four of us plus my daughter. So she'll be over there and the two kids. Let's spend, you know, the cost of our entire trip on airfare. So we started doing research. If you go through certain cities and you do with this and that, we cut it like in half. But do you have like some sort of a, you know, like a Metro pass and you could just go and get on planes or no, you're always like booking things online. And that seems like always booking frustrating to me like you save a lot of money if you book at the airport fun fact okay. like a lot of that is online booking fees so if you just i don't know if they would welcome that in like newer right. <laughs> but in smaller airports like i'm from Pitts- the pittsburgh area uh, you can just go to the airport just go to and the counter to like they used to do in the old yeah. days 1970s and exactly. like book your thing yep. and there's no fee so yeah. that saves you money that saves you money. Um, you just have to kind of get creative with when, when you're going to travel. Like we, I've slept in airports. I don't know how many times because the flight leaves at four in the morning and nobody wants to take that flight. Oh, I will take, I have a sleeping bag. I will sleep in the airport and take that flight. Or sometimes you arrive in four at four in the morning and a lot of cities aren't safe to leave and there aren't rental car agencies open and transit's not running. So you end up, yeah. 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 So you end up there. They don't like throw you out of the airport. A very select airports do like they close at night. Yeah. Uh, you have to go to sleepinginairports.net and see if you're allowed to sleep there and then really? see where the nicest place. To- oh yeah. Sleeping. In airports. So yeah. They will tell you the most comfortable places to sleep. Really? Yeah. 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 So you know, all the tips and tricks now that's in the book too, about sleeping in airports. I actually don't know. Uh, I, my editor cut a few things out. He was like, people have more money than this. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, I even having money, I being able to pay for a hotel room, I am still I mean, my roots are in like the budget travel side. So uh, pretty frugal, like we don't go out to eat traveling, you want to talk about ways to cut costs of travel, we don't really eat out ever. We cook all the time. Yeah. And most people I mean, we we eat out less than people who just live at home normal life. Like we never go out, we go to a restaurant like once a year. Right. Well, you're where you're at. And that's a lifestyle choice. 
yeah, so you yeah. just go to Airbnb. the supermarket, you buy things yeah. all in Croatian, I would assume, and, yeah. and you cook and do, yeah, I mean, look, if you're, yeah, I mean, you can't be going out to dinner all the time. <clears throat> I guess. A lot of people do. Okay. Well, you know, they also have a, a you know a room on that ship that travels around the world, and you can just get on yeah. different places. That's nice, but you wanted to see <laughs> the world when you're 24, so yeah, you know. Also, it's just normal. I don't think it's normal to eat out at a restaurant every night. To me, that I don't feel good whenever I eat out all the time. It feels very indulgent. Um, so I, I know I'm happier. <laughs> I'm a happier person if I have like autonomy over my like life basics. But in some countries, it's really cheap to eat out. So it actually is more frugal to just go and get street food and yeah, keep it cheap. Yeah. Eat the catch of the day. Always cheap. All you don't know what it is. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 fish. You never know what you're eating with fish. unless it's salmon. It's like. Hmm. Filet of fish, air quotes. Yeah. Well, some of the countries I know, they bring the f- whole fish out, you know, like to show you that it's fresh. Mm. You know. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> some people do. No. Yeah. So do you find that um, you, it like, does it make you feel feel good to, you know, be getting a deal? Like figuring a way oh, to get yeah. to a place. Yeah. Say so it's, yeah. It's oh, like rush, yeah. Right? You, you want to know the best rush is Airbnb. If you stay for a month. There's almost always a discount in, in a lot of countries, not everywhere. Like the U.S. doesn't really do month-long discounts. But uh, in Europe, I've never seen a country that doesn't have a month-long discount. So this Airbnb is normally $3,000 a month, but we booked for a month. It's only 1000 Wow. Yeah, because they know they're not going to book every night if they do it in piecemeal. Yeah. So they want to rather have it full. But that's a huge discount. That's a great deal. Huge. Yeah, we pay about a thousand a month. That's our like benchmark for accommodation, which is less than my rent was in Chicago. I'm sure. Kidding me? You can't get a place in New York for a thousand a month. You, you, they don't even yeah. have places small enough to rent you for a thousand a month. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. So, what does your husband do? We run the business so he's together. A writer too. So we both. Yeah, he was a high school English teacher when we met. He was not digital he was he didn't have wi-fi at home he didn't uh have facebook he was really, really? not in the digital yeah he, he was but you really, said it was like so how did yeah. you meet when you were traveling we met yeah we were both traveling we met in guatemala oh on the other side of the world that's pretty funny but you said he was, <laughs> but he was on vacation obviously he was traveling for six months, so he would do the thing where he would save up money and then go away like quit his job and go away for quit six his months. job and yeah. Okay. They had to come back and find a new one. But, yeah. Yeah. For six months yeah. away. Yeah. Also, if you can stretch your money longer, you can stay away longer. Right. Of course. No. Yeah. I think, yeah. uh, yeah, you're lucky you met him because, you know, you could have met him on vacation. He's there for 10 days and he's like, I'm not doing this for the, my entire life. He, yeah, it's, you need to love traveling together. Although I've met a lot of people who have met their partners abroad and it's quite funny. I know someone else who, uh, someone, she met her husband on a beach in Honduras and he was on vacation and she was living there and uh yeah they've been married now for a while and new oh yeah quite quite a lot of people who you know one of them but you have to be willing to be detached at least one of you has to be willing to say well you know to leave it behind and i was already living out of my backpacks whenever we met i was already nomadic so it was easy for me to come because he had to go back to the netherlands because he had an apartment that was being subletted so he had to return all the stuff was in there but um we never expected to stay. We did have a home base in the Netherlands for years and we used that to travel Europe. So we've, we, I've moved in and out of different iterations of traveling where I've, we've done a house sitting thing, the, the attempted hiking thing that failed, <laughs> failed <laughs> twice. Um, 
the the fully nomadic thing. That's what we're doing now. So I did that in 2017 and 18, and now I'm yeah we're there again without and without any home base. And it's nice now. It's nice to do it with more money because I was living out of hostels originally, right. with like in a bunk bed. But you were happy with that. I mean, uh, hostels you have to share a room with other people. Yeah, yeah, you're literally like the bottom bunk. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, I wanted to be anywhere. I was afraid that I was not going to experience life. So to me to like be on an Island in the Caribbean surrounded by people from all over the world, it was a dream come true, but you don't want to live out of, you know, you don't want to sleep bottom bunk forever. (laughs) Someone like drunk climbing up the ladder. That's what would happen. Yeah. Well, I I guess if you experience what you experience very young, you're like, yeah, I don't know when it's going to all end. So I'm going to, it definitely gave you a push to, to do it earlier. If not, it would have taken you a long time. Do you, Yeah. let's talk about like, I know it has nothing to do with business, but um, the whole thing, like I said, I think what it has to do with is what our life looks like in the next 10 to 20 years. Do you, what about your stuff? Like you say, you live out of a backpack. Do you, those are all of your worldly possessions. Like you don't have a storage facility in some place where if a, a letter gets mailed because you died, it goes to some guy and he knows how to get to it or something like that. Or no. My, my mail goes to, in, in the Netherlands, my mail goes to my in-laws, okay. Young's parents. And in the U.S., my mail goes to my parents. So my mail is always read. Okay. And I have maybe two or three boxes of stuff in storage, two of them with my in-laws in the Netherlands and one with my parents in the U.S. Okay. so you, But that's, that's it. it. Right. So I used to have more. Whenever I first started, I had a storage facility. I got a storage unit and I thought... I couldn't make the I couldn't rip the whole band-aid off and get rid of everything. So I drastically downsized my stuff, okay. put it in storage, and then at one point I moved it out of the storage unit in Chicago into my parents' basement in Pennsylvania and it sat there for five years and I never used any of it. Well so I got rid of this everything. isn't working for me, I don't want to do this, and you go back and then all your stuff is you have no stuff. So it's like I wanted a few plan, things. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I don't even see myself living in the US again. So I didn't need that security blanket. And then we thought, well, what if we live in North America and we want to drive it? And yeah. it just, it was holding on to a sense of control, a false sense of control right, of course. that none of us have. Right. Yeah. So for me, it was That's very right. therapeutic to get rid of all of it. <laughs> so, so you don't travel in, like you, you don't travel in the United States, like you're not going to get an Airbnb in Montana and live there for a month and then go to Nashville and then go to another country, or you're basically staying outside of the borders of the U.S.? Um, I like traveling in the U S a lot. I've seen most of the States, like 44 States. I think I really, really like traveling in the U S but it's to me whenever, yeah, it's, it doesn't have the same appeal right now for me in life because it's expensive to me, like going to the grocery store because rent, I always, we always spend the same amount on on accommodation. It's always about a thousand dollars, but the grocery store bill can be like, we can live off of like $8 a day, depending where we're at for both of us. Or in the U.S., it's like eight dollars for a thing of peppers right. at the grocery yeah. store. So to me, that's where it's not fun anymore to pay that much money. There are a lot of countries that are really spectacular to travel in, but I know I can't enjoy it if I'm paying. Like I remember getting a, cu- a cappuccino in Paris once. We had two cappuccinos, and it was like seventeen dollars. And I felt like I don't care how this coffee could be could have gold sprinkled on top of it. I'm I'm not enjoying it. Yeah. No. So that's where the U.S. is at with, for me right now, yeah. unless we have like a van or something like it, because we uh, if to cut that expense and not have like accommodation. An RV. Exactly. Yeah. We've looked. Yeah. 
it's a dream for sure. It'll happen. It's just not right now, especially whenever there's so many cheap, cheaper places that are still on the list. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, I guess you're not going to that place. What is it? Starbucks Reserve? I think they have one in Chicago. It's this super in New York. It's ridiculous. Probably $16 for one cappuccino. Yeah, it's it's in Seattle as well. Right, Seattle too. Yeah, exactly. No, it's yeah, that's not going to fit your budget. But that's interesting. So I think that um, I think that people should get the book. Book will be available where on Amazon. It's available at the normal places online, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Targets. Um, it's, I don't have info yet on where it's going to be on right. the shelves, but be, if you can support. Out, this should be like January 26th, I think. So the book will be out hopefully the 30th. That's the target date, right? Oh, it'll be out. Yeah, it's definitely okay. coming out. My publisher is assured. Yeah. yeah, it comes out in the rest of the world actually on January 3rd, but in the North America, the distributor is set back to the 30th, but it's coming out on the 30th. Okay, very good. Okay, so... How should, what's the best way for people like um, follow you and learn about your life and world and, you know. If anyone wants to connect, they can find me online at writingfromnowhere.com. And I'm most active on LinkedIn if anybody okay. wants to. So link, we'll, put, the, we'll put your LinkedIn link and we'll put writing from, wait, I better get that. Hold on a second. Ugh. Writingfromnowhere.com. Yep. Okay. From nowhere. Okay. Uh, where? can't spell. See, I shouldn't be teaching English to young children. I can't even spell the website. <laughs> so yeah, it's not good. All right. So listen, um, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. And uh, I am very confident that the closing credits will not play. So we won't even bother with that. I'll, I'll edit them in later. And um, yeah, let's stay in touch. I want to hear all the countries that you're in. I'll follow. If I go to the website and I like sign up for your newsletter, I can hear about where's Kayla. No, I actually don't share that on there. I don't really... I don't really update where I'm at online. Yeah, no one people to follow. But I share of most op updates. Yeah, it feels a little weird sometimes. Yeah. All right. Well, enjoy your well, time. In thanks Croatia, so much for having and me. And I appreciate it. Thanks. It was so much fun, Mitch. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Accidental Entrepreneur. Opening and closing music written and performed by Howie Moscovich and Made to Order Music. For information about Howie and his music services, please follow the link in our show notes. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at The Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted by Mitch Beinacker and produced by Beinacker Law. If you'd like to learn more about our business and legal services, you can find us on social media or visit our website at BeinackerLaw.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.